No, that's right. If you are tuned in, then you have made the conscious decision to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. Guaranteed. Welcome to this absolutely empowering episode of Become Undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin. Killing it on the mic and as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. Now, there's a reason I do shows like this, all right? The kind of show that if you're honest with yourself while listening, makes you actually want to take a hard look within. Most people don't want to do that and they won't do that ever. Because it's about realization and breakthrough, in my opinion. You can't have the latter without the former. You feel what I'm saying? Now, once you come to certain realizations, it makes it so much more difficult to go back to the state of helplessness that you have found yourself in prior. And there, in my opinion, is no other special guest more qualified to help you with achieving that breakthrough than the brave knight himself, Sir David of Poole. How are you, sir? You see, I'm yes. clapping in the background because you know those radio programs in the morning we listen to like eight o'clock in the morning. Yes. You've got the date, you've got the DJ, you've got the producer, you've got two, you've got two of our assistants, and so they'll clap at the beginning. And yes. I just thought that's the most appropriate thing to do. How am I doing? I'm doing bloody awesome. Thanks very much for asking. And, and, and you, I mean, I, I've got the, I've got the, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm lucky enough to see you on camera. Yeah. Right? And I'm just, I was listening to that music. And I'll tell you, you know, your, your intro music, it felt as if I was on like a, a, a NASA shuttle going around the earth, <laughs> orbiting, as if I'm going to, I don't know, jump on some sort of asteroid and not the living crap out of it to save the day. What awesome music you've got. And, and I can see you super focused on delivering this um, wonderful introduction. Um, so, yeah, how am I going? I'm, I'm feeling rather good. Thank you very much. Thanks to you. Are you Brilliant. pumped? Is that what you're um, saying? Are you pumped? I, you know what? I, I, I think I might be. Yes. <laughs> I, I might be. Not bad for a Thursday evening. Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just I put it together and stuck with it. People seem to like it. It sets the tone of the show, and I just I don't know. It works. Sir, it works. David, of, Sir David of Paul approves. In the house, yes. So, all right, David. So I, I don't mean to, and actually, I know it's not going to be a downer for you because you, you are you are cool with it and everything else. But I want to start out by talking about the incident. Hmm? So. You freely shared that story with me, and, and I think, honestly, it's important that people hear what happened to you as a kid, not only because of, of how many people can relate, right? Mm -hmm. But because I think it will illustrate like how you can tap into that inner strength, even as a kid, as a child, rather than allowing such things to destroy you. So tell us about that, bro. Well, you know, before I get into it, 
I didn't realize how blase I was about it. And I, and I still can be because um, I compare myself to others. You know, I'm sure you have the phrase, you know, the worst things have happened at sea. And, and you do, we have this propensity to diminish um, things that have happened in our life, whether they, they were a, uh, an earthquake that obliterated your life or whether it's something that you set out and, and you did fantastically well. I mean, I cycled to Spain a few months ago and, and for me it was a blast and I got drunk every night. And, <laughs> but so, my people go, why you cycle to Spain? I'm like, yeah, it was super easy. Like, no, and, and, and it wasn't super easy, but I'm blasé about it. And I think a lot of people can be quite blasé about certain things that have happened in their life because it just happened and life gets lifey. Someone said to me recently, a, a lady called Ken Foley, a client of mine, David, life gets lifey. Mm. And, and when I was 12, 13 years old, uh, life did get lifey. Um, I went to a comprehensive school in... Um, Angleterre in England, which is a, a high school, right? You, it's obligatory between the ages of 11 and 16. Okay. And um, it's like a frigging prison. And honestly, this place was a shithole. And, <laughs> um, it's, it was, I mean, I'm going to get to the story in a minute, but a few years ago, I was taking a plane out of here in France. I was at La Rochelle Airport and I was flying to Nottingham East Midlands. And I happened to be sat next to this lady on the um, on the phone. And uh, she was a younger lady uh, in her early 20s, and she was French. And I was asking her, what are you going to Nottingham for? I'm a teacher. I'm a trainee teacher. I'm like, all oh, right, okay. That's a you know big thing for you to do and do that abroad and what have you not. I said, what's it like there? It's terrible. It's an awful, awful place. Um, and she was telling me about um, rape at school. Um, now, in the UK, we don't have like metal detectors and we don't get shoot ups and stuff like that. But uh, she was telling me about how there was fire engines going around there every day because kids were setting fire in the bathrooms or as we call it, the toilets and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just a, a terrible, terrible thing. And I said, What school was it? She said, oh, I, I really don't want to say. And I said, all right, okay, you know, and Nottingham, Nottingham and the Nottingham Shire is a really big, you know, it's a big department and it could have been in Derbyshire, Leicestershire or what have you. I said, whereabouts in Nottingham is it? She said, it isn't. It's in a place called Kirkby and Ashfield. And I went, oh, shit, it wasn't Ashfield comprehensive, was it? She went, yeah. I went, <laughs> and that's my school I went to. And if they <laughs> hear this, you're welcome. Just, just check me out, David Poole, go and be on the illusion, pick the phone up and apologize to me. <laughs> I actually wrote to him a few years ago and told him what happened. I never got a reply. Wow. Uh, so what did happen was it was a Friday afternoon, I think, and we had double drama. And what I mean by double drama, I'm not talking about like a Hollywood blockbuster movie. It was like, you know how you, your lessons, uh, you've got, like, um, do you call them periods? Um, in yeah, the, well, they used to when I went to school. Yeah. Right. Okay. So this was like a double period. And it was in the afternoon. And um, it was two glasses uh, joined together. And the teacher, I oh, don't mind spilling names out here. It was a long time ago. He's probably dead by now and I don't give a shit. But his name was Alan Tipton. And, and if he's listening, he can do one as well. So what happened is um, we got put into these little small groups. And uh, like a group of four or five kids. 
and I didn't like the kids I was with, and they didn't like me. Um, I actually can't remember their names. I can't, uh, uh, with the exception of one, and I won't mention him because he's gone through some really, really bad times, and that would be very, very wrong for me to do that. And I, 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 I now know why he was involved in this. So I'm not going to go into that tonight because if anybody does hear about Ashford School and David Paul and here's this kid's name, it's going to obliterate this kid, and that's just not fair. Yeah. Um, and um, we got put into these, I was like, with these three, four other lads, and we're supposed to make a little play. So we went away, spoke about this little play, and then the idea was to come back to present it to these two classes. Now, I know there are two classes, so I'm guessing we're talking around about 60 pupils there, right? Kind of, mm-hmm. kind of a large number. And the teacher was down, sat at the back, and the kids that I was with, I didn't like, they stripped me completely naked and held me down in class in front of everybody and the teacher watched and i mean we're talking 1988 wow and yeah and today i can quite blase about it and, and you know like i said earlier you can compare that to to other people's shit that goes off and it ruined me hmm. it, i was a grade a student well, by the time I left school, I never did a shred of homework after that. I, I, I never skipped school. Well, sometimes I, I tell my mum I was ill and I, and I wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. I just um, did things like that. I went home and I was, well, I ran out to the school bus because you get like a bus just to take you home. And I was just there bawling my eyes out. And if you use that phrase, but obviously crying my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Got home and mum's like, what's happened to you? really struggled to explain. And once it came out, mum and dad did their best, you know. But we're talking 1988. We can't compare 1988 to today. Was it a different set of values? I don't know about a different set of values, but certainly a different time and different procedures and uh, and things like that. We certainly didn't have email, so my mum could phone, <laughs> phone up the school. And I had the weekend off, and obviously... Um, I think I might have taken Monday and Tuesday off. Um, mm-hmm. But we went in to see the head teacher. And um, I'm a, my football team's Nottingham Forest. And um, the head teacher, he was a nice guy, but he, he, he came up really short. Came up really, really short. And he liked me. He was all right with me. But he just came up massively short and convinced uh, my dad that what we'll do, we'll palm David off with a, like a pass get into a few games and that was it. And then I was thrown back into class. Oh, and actually in the head, in the headmaster's office, I had to name these kids. Mm-hmm. Who were the kids? I even gave some, gave some names that didn't, that, 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 that weren't doing it because I was just so afraid. And at that point, not just in the headmaster's office, but this scenario, I lost all trust mm-hmm. with anybody mm-hmm. um because i was so frightened um i went back to I, I, was, I was forced to go back in the same class face the same kids the teacher was still there the, now the, the teacher's contract ran out in the summer and they just didn't renew it they didn't sack him they didn't discipline him um these are the days before compensation and stuff like that and which is fine you know i don't bear anything like that but you've got a 12-year-old boy, pre-pubescent, if I remember rightly, 
shit in my pants. And every day that I went to school, I was it. I was the one now who was the weakest. Mm. So even the weak kids who were getting bullied, bullied me because they looked less weak hmm. by, you know, by, by, by bullying me. I was spat at, I was kicked, I was punched. We got, you know, that little compasses that you have in the maths class and stuff like that, you know. I was stabbed with those. Um, you, wear, you wear a school uniform uh, in England, and um, that was ripped to shreds because they had these little blades, um, pencil sharpener blades attached to the pencils, and that was done. Um, my school bag ripped and I'm coming home with shitty school results and my behavior is bad at school. Who's getting the blame for that? Me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, and mum and dad did what they could, but th- th- they were limited with what they could because we're talking 1988. It's a whole different, you know, a whole different affair. I'd, and they asked me, my dad's saying, David, what can we do for you? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm 12. I just <laughs> yes. un- undo this. Yeah. You know? and, and, and don't palm this off. And then mum was on the phone, obviously speaking to her friends and whatever. You know, oh, this is what's happened to our David. Which your mum's going to do that because your mum needs support as well, right? Yeah. And, and, and mum and dad were going through a terrible time seeing their little boy go through all of this but i'm gonna keep on hearing the story at home and um it just had so many effects i no longer wanted to talk to girls no girlfriends um straight out the window completely Mm. embarrassed anything associated to do with sex nudity um maturity i didn't want to i just didn't want to grow up i just wanted to i didn't want to run away but i just wanted a big hole to take me away. Mm. So the only thing that I did, I just wanted to play sports. I wasn't a great sports person, but I used to come home at night and used to kick a, because oh, I'm in England, kick a football around the street as you guys throw a football around. And um, yeah, I came out of school with nothing. But throughout all of that time, there was this something inside me that kept me going. There's a couple of things, actually. One, when I was 14, I met a girl I went on a French exchange and I started, I was being her pen pal. I fell in love with her, right? And, and it was great to fall in love. I didn't know I fell in love with her at 14. I'm pretty obvious a childhood crush, but I did. It was unconditional love. So I had her there. We were just writing letters, nothing more, because she was in France and I was in England. And, but inside me, I knew that I was enough. I didn't give a shit for school. I didn't give a shit for my teachers. I didn't give a shit for any of the kids there. I had two friends at school, uh, and and that was it. I didn't give a damn for my mum and dad because I didn't feel supported by my mum and dad. They could all go and fuck themselves, and that was my attitude. And people were saying to me, and the teachers looked at me and said, well, you're a failure. And all right, so like four years later, I'm taking my final exams when I'm 16. But you're a failure. You're a failure. And I'm going, I didn't say anything to them, but I knew that this is not my fault. It's your fault. And all I'm going to do is get through school and survive it. Mm-hmm. And, and then th- th- we'll see what happens. But it messed up with my maturity. 
um, you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, and 19, my head was all over the freaking place um, because I was then getting into other stuff and it wasn't like drugs or any or not bad people, but I was just making wrong decisions and I was making wrong decisions because I didn't have anybody around me really to support me and I didn't trust myself. Excuse me. Um, uh, I didn't trust other people. Mm-hmm. But even with my dad, you know, when I took my results home and I got seven Ds, and really I should be hitting seven A's, they're just kind of like, well, you know, that's it, then, isn't it? What are you going to do now? Mm. Uh, life's written off. And inside me, though, I just knew there was greatness inside me. And I don't mean to like fluff greatness up or, you know, um, put it under the spotlight in, in any way it doesn't deserve. I knew that greatness is inside me and I knew that I am great, but I knew that this wasn't my time. I just knew that I had to take my time somehow, somehow find a way of enjoying life and get through it. And then my time would come. I I just knew my time would come. I wouldn't, I didn't know what it looked like. I never gave up hope. And that's with me today. I can do anything. There's some things I refuse to do. Because I just don't want to do it, you know. Mm. Don't, don't ask me to go and eat fish because I can't stand it. But I can do anything that I want in my life. Nothing's going to bloody stop me because I'm David. And my teachers used to say, "David, you're arrogant." And I and I, I, I why are you telling me this? I'm not arrogant. I just believe in myself. Yeah, but you don't have the results, David. You don't care for your, your studies. How can you believe in yourself? You're just full of shit. That's what they told me. And I just like I shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, yeah, okay, fuck you. I don't really care. I know I'm good enough, and I'm going to do great things. And we grew up in a very, very difficult area. I don't blame most kids. I actually found out that one of the kids has, um, in, in more recent times that was involved in that was actually being raped by his father. Hmm. Um uh, so I don't blame any of the kids and, and, and the area, the socioeconomic uh, sort of aspect to this was, you know, we're talking poverty line. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I don't blame any of the kids whatsoever. I don't even blame the teachers. It really, and I don't blame anything, anybody really. It was circumstance, but it could have written some people off mm. because everybody was writing me off. But inside, I can't explain to you why, but you're talking about being becoming undeniable. I was born undeniable, and everybody's born undeniable. It's a choice. It's a choice against the world. And when the world pushes against you so hard, and let's not compare ourselves from one person to the next, it's so hard on you because this is a, this is we're, you know we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, right? So this is our unique path. It could never ever get worse than that. Never get worse than that. So whatever is in front of me, Brad, I'll go out there and do it with a smile. I so, don't, sorry, after you. Oh, no, it's okay, man. I was I was just going to, because you're tapping into something that I've wanted to ask. Because, I mean, how, how were, again, you had this horrific incident at school, and then nobody really knows how to deal with it. Nobody mm-hmm. knows how to, you know, whatever. Can you remember back then? I mean, obviously, how do you forget that? But I'm saying, how do you... Can you remember how you were able to how you were able to go back to school and face everyone as a kid? Do you remember the thoughts that oh, you had? God. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the specifics in terms of going into the class. Okay. Or the people, but it was this huge 
mire of embarrassment. So just close your eyes. Imagine walking into a nightmare where all the kids are standing on their tables, pointing at you and laughing at you and giving you names and what have you not. You know, we saw you naked. You don't have any pubic hair, you, you know, and, 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 and all, that, all that horrible stuff, you know, because I was a pre-person kid, but that's the sort of thing. And it, it, from an embarrassment point of view, it was, there was no place to turn. There mm-hmm. was absolutely no place to turn. And I'd stick it out. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, throw myself off a bridge. Right. I mean, there, there, there was nothing. I, 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 I couldn't go anywhere. My back was against the wall. No, I couldn't go anywhere. There was no choice here. But this thing started to come out of me inside to go, don't screw them. <laughs> you know, mm. you know better than them. It's not that you're better than them, but you know better than them. You know the real David. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter. But God, yeah, it was awful. I mean, the, 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 the embarrassment, the belittlement. I remember a few years later, I was about 24, 25. I'm in this bar in um, Mansfield in Nottinghamshire. And some little wanker came up to me and, uh, oh, you're a poolie, pull the pants up. My name's David Poole. So you get called Poolie if your name's Poole. And Poolie, pull your pants up, you know. I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, look at him. And I didn't even know who he was. I'm like, yeah. And, and when I said, you know, who are you? Like, well, I'm, I can't remember his name. I'm such and such. I looked at him, God's honest truth. I said, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and, he, and he went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to embarrass me, but he just embarrassed himself. I'm like, I'm sorry, mate. Clearly, you know, mate. Clearly, you know the shit that happened in my school, but I've got no idea who you are. And he walked off. Walked off. That's it. Yeah. So- so how did, okay, how did you recover from this, man? It's, was it really because you just, okay, let, let me go back a little bit more. So Friday weekend happens and I'm yeah. sure all weekend, that's probably one of the longest weekends of your life. I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Because Monday's coming. Oh right? yeah. Ticking time bomb, right? Monday is coming. My dad didn't go to work that day. Um, he worked away from home. And they took me into school afterwards. So I didn't go there on the school bus. And I can kind of guess why they did it. But at the same time, by not being there, I mean, it's catch-22. You either throw me on the school bus and get there and get the piss taken out of me, and it's really difficult, or you take me there after the school bell goes, meet the teacher, meet the head, the head teacher, the principal, as you guys call it. Mm-hmm. And, and then get inserted into class an hour and a half late. <laughs> right, goes, right. Oh, David's been talking to town. Oh, there he is. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, oh let's, let's talk into David. So it was um, nothing short of um, very hard. Yeah. Very hard. So you really just, you just, I mean... I guess I'm wondering when that, when that undeniable spirit, if you will, set in, right? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I actually knew beforehand, before this happened, that um, I was special. Now, when I say special, I'm not talking about elite. Um, my mum and dad said that you're special. And, and I felt it within me. But, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not talking about elite, but... I think what mum and dad were saying is that everybody's special. 
And if you believe in yourself and you want to do something, you'll achieve. And I enjoyed school beforehand. You know, I, I had good results. So, mm-hmm. And I have great praise from my teachers. So it kind of reinforced that. But the undeniable bit wasn't there then. The undeniable bit was, I think it really, crikey me, I'm just trying to, you know how they, they forge iron and they stick it. It's like, all oh, the flames yeah. are coming out and what have you not. I don't know, a bit like when Superman and his kryptonite was being formed and all that sort of stuff, you know. It was then, it, you know, it, it really was in the days after the event, even within that week, it was, I had this huge headache. I remember it now. I've not thought about it before. I had this huge headache right at the front of my, above my brow because of the amount of tears that I've been, uh, been having. But you mentioned recovery, and it actually wasn't for me then. It was definitely survival. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I don't think it was that week. I think it might, it might have been, might have been the week after, but I just knew inside, you know what? This is, it's never mind, this is going to be hard, but I don't know how to fight back. I want to fight back. I can't fight back. Teachers don't support me. Kids don't support me. Mum and dad don't know how to support me, not their fault. Mm. But there was a little ounce of magic that was going off inside. I could, I couldn't look at this magic in its face. I couldn't smile mm-hmm. at this magic but it was there mm-hmm. it was i don't everything that they're saying and everything they're doing points in one direction mm-hmm. but it doesn't point at me because i'm david mm-hmm. and i've got something and you guys don't like it that was it it was you guys don't like it you don't you guys don't like and that was this formula you guys don't like me You guys don't like how good I am and what I am. This is not about my results in school. This is about my confidence, my swagger, my my ability to go and to to talk to anybody that I want. But you know what? And I'll take you back now to when I was eight years old. I had this teacher called Mr. Pickles, complete nine years old. He's a complete nut job, right? (laughs) And um, when they left the war in World War II, um, and the soldiers came back into the UK. They were given a demob suit, a demobilisation suit. So Mr. Pickles in 1984 <laughs> still was wearing his demobilisation suit. His jacket was really straight-laced. And I remember one thing, and I don't know about him, but I, I think he might have been taken prisoner because he said one thing in class. He said, they can do anything to you in this world, but they can never take away your hope. Hmm. And Mr. Pickle said that to me around about 1984. We're now in 1988, different school. We, you know, we're now into senior school. And it was that feeling. If they can't take away your hope, I've got this. It doesn't matter whatever you throw at me, I've got this. Nothing, you can't do anything. You can't touch me. You can't hurt me. You can bite me, um, kick me, push me over, tie me upside down. Oh my God, they used to tie me upside down in the class and on the school bus. I wasn't the only kid, by the way. Other kids got similar sort of treatments and what have you not. I don't think I'm the, the only one there. Um, but you can't take away my hope. And so to answer your question, when did this feeling of being undeniable came in? Mr. Pickles kind of set the scene when I, at that age. My parents had an involvement in it. David, you're special. Mr. Pickles says, 
you know, you can never take away your hope. This incident happens, and it's like all of that colliding in one, you know, in one go with all these kids giving me this crap, and it's like, you can't beat me. Mm-hmm. You will never be able to beat me because we're not even playing the same game. I was going to ask, man, because how I... I was going to ask you how 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 is it possible that you could, as a child that young, most, I mean, most kids don't even know what they want for breakfast, man, every day. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> much no, less. You're right. did, you know, how did you know this stuff? And and is, I guess was 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 Mr. Pickles saying that to you? Was that you think the catalyst that really instilled that? that magic, as you called it in there? I'm not sure if it was the catalyst. Definitely a key player. Mm. I use it today. You know, actually only last week, um, on on board a a client, she told me she was having a bit of a wobble a few days later. And I got on the phone to her and we had this conversation about hope. And... You know, it's like, I'm worried about the money. I said, it's not, you're not worried about the money. You're worried about your hope diminishing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was an absolute key player. And, he, and, and it really did tap into me. Um, I need to actually have a, a, a conversation with a few people after this session uh, with you and I right now because um, uh, I know I can speak in very freely. So, a few years ago, I had a spiritual awakening. And one of the things that I've learned is to know how to be decent friends with Archangel Michael and shielding, protection, protection shields, if anybody is into this, knows about that sort of stuff. And, and through my spiritual self, I've had conversations with him, or rather, I say conversations with him. I've spoken to him and like the words kind of come back through my voice, if that makes sense. <clears throat> and it's, David, I've always shielded you. So I definitely know, and not just through him. There's there's another person as well, very key to me, um, that kind of sculpted this David, and that was my granddad. I didn't meet until I was 14. Um, I knew of my granddad already, and he, he had to do some very, very difficult things during World War II, uh, namely escape from France and get over to the UK so he could fight for Charles de Gaulle in the Free French. And um, he had to do a very lot of, a lot of nasty things, shall we say, as what happens mm. in war. And so my granddad is my hero. I always have seen, he still is my hero, even his past. But my life in that incident was so much... Um, easier than his because he wasn't getting shot at, right? He wasn't seeing mm-hmm. his friend. I wasn't. Um, I, he, sorry, he was getting shot at, and he was seeing his friends die. I, I wasn't. But definitely during that time, you know, my granddad was alive. I definitely had my my fighting spirit of my granddad there, absolutely. And it's a bit like a boxer. You know, when you, the, the, the boxers getting the, absolutely pummeled in the ring, down on their knees. It's not the boxer. M- MMA is coming a better sort of thing. Ab- mm. Absolutely pummeled. And you know you're going to get beaten. You know you're going to get beaten, but you're still there. Your gloves are still up. And it's like, 
whatever happens, you can knock me out. You can break my neck. I will never surrender. I will never surrender. And it was that hope and I will never surrender. Won't mm -hmm. be. Man, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how, how, and I've said this before, man, I, on, on this very show, it's amazing how, how words can literally change the trajectory of someone's life, depending on the person, the situation they're in, the time, all the fluid factors that we know of, right? It's yeah. just amazing how, I mean, you just, that one line from Mr. Pickles just, yeah, just solidified and put you on the path. And that I just, I wish more, I wish, I mean, I can't wait. I should say, I know people do it all the time. I just can't wait to, to find more people like you who instill that hope in others, every opportunity they get, man, because we need more okay. of that. We need more of that. You know, I think we all have that. I yeah. Think it was, I think it was a question of speaking to somebody like yourself where you ask great questions and, 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 it, and it comes out of us because, you know, it's only, I haven't thought about Mr. Pickles in quite some time, mm. even though I was speaking about hope the other day with my, with my client and I know exactly where it comes, comes from him. And so you know, we're always healing, right? We're always, we're always healing, but healing isn't a weakness. Healing is a strength. And I was healing right then and everything was stripped away from me in terms of my dignity and um, you know, my image and friends that the school friends I had, the vast majority of them with the exception of Stephen and Ben. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Ben. I'm still in touch with both of them today. Walked away from me because mm. I'm damaged goods. And if they're seen with me, they're going to get the shit kicked out of them as well. Right. So everything was stripped away from me except this hope and the fact that you're not going to beat me. You can throw anything you want at me. You're not going to beat me. I will not squeal and surrender. And, and I can't. I mean, I might ask you to stay. You know, if the pain hurts too much, I might ask you to stop. But that's not surrender. Because it's inside. It's like, no. I, and, and as I've got older, Brad, and I understood more about my spiritual self, we're all like this. Nobody can defeat you. Absolutely nobody can defeat you. And, and, and if in your conscious mind you put the surrender flag of defeat, no, it's just your conscious mind overlapping your heart. Because in your heart, and that's exactly where I was as a kid then, in your heart, you cannot be defeated. It is, you cannot submit. You cannot surrender. It's absolutely, totally impossible to be able to do that. But, but remembering it's different. I mean, only if you embrace that. Only if you embrace it. Only if you embrace that that <coughs> that inner desire, that inner strength, that inner drive, that inner unwillingness, right? To but that's to a conscious surrender. state. That's I a know. conscious state to embrace it. I'm talking about the unconscious yeah. state. Even if you like, right, hands up, I'm gone. The mind's talking, not the heart. You know inside. Yeah. You've got this little light, yeah. That's still that's still going, um, but yeah, I don't. It's uh, for me. Everybody, uh, everybody's got it. Everybody has this. Uh, everybody has this possibility. Uh, do you want it? That's right. Do you, you want to bring it forward? Are you brave enough? 
Do, do you recognize that you have it? Right? Yeah. Do you recognize that you have it? Right? And then once you recognize it, you can embrace it. And so I got to tell you, man, look, someone, someone like me, people like me, maybe you're the same. I don't know. But some would, when I hear you speaking about the, you called it the magic inside that just you felt yeah. that you tapped into that, that just really shifted you into being just, sorry to use it again, undeniable in your life. Yeah. Right. I, when people like me would say to you that God placed that within you, man. And, and I just firmly believe that. And, and yeah. that he's, he's not done writing your story, bro. He's not done. No. Keep pressing. You, you're, abs you're absolutely right. And then if somebody wants to refer to as God, I completely support you. For, for me, I, I, I talk about the universe and source, which is the same as God. I'm just using a slightly different language, in my opinion. And, and yet, it was placed there for me. My journey's not done. I'm an old soul. And I know through my business, and I work with a great guy who you know has been on here, Rob. Uh, Rob's um, given me the tools to be able to, I've always been able to express myself, but now I'm being able to express myself to an audience that matters because I was expressing myself before because I needed to, to get it out and I needed to be heard, but the audience were not interested in that. And that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with the audience, but now where my business is now, I can get this out. And in the coaching world, they talk about being your authentic self, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just talk about just being real. And yeah, I, I know I'm here for that. Um, and I know I, I, I am here to help people go beyond their own personal illusions. I don't know what it mm. is. It could be just one word like Mr. Pickles, hope. Mm. Or it could be end up working with me or end up seeing me on stage. Or it might even be that I've worked with your dad. And the effect that I've had on, on your dad has had an effect on you or something like that. But my story and the shit that happened to me, and the way that I decided to turn up, yeah, that's just God. Right? Now I understand, and I didn't know if I was going to have to ask or if it was just going to come out, but now I understand why, why you named your, your company that way, to go beyond the illusions that are in with, within your own mind, within your own self. And Well, I, you can I get see it. that I am looking at my mobile phone because I'm going to recite something to you which is really important for me. So I can't reveal the full details because of um, I don't have that permission. Three years ago, um, the, uh, the young girl who I referred to when I was 14, um, I've not spoken to her for years and years and years and years and years. I went looking for her and um, she passed away mm. three months before. And I'm going to cut a very long story short. She comes to me as an angel mm. and, and it lights up my heart. <laughs> and um, I've been able to do more incredible things since then. Mm. And some people are not going to like what I'm going to say right now. Uh oh, But that's okay. That's okay. I have a friend. He's a great guy. His name's Glenn Bodis. I've known Glenn at school, funny enough. He knows my school. And we used to go on the same bus, but not in the same class. Class. And Glenn is a spiritual medium. And you know what's going to come next. And I reached out to Glenn. 
and I've sent her photo and her name. And I've had lots of things that have been passed to me from Glenn, well, from her to Glenn for me, where it's beyond coincidence. I mean, completely beyond coincidence, the things that he shared with me that I know, that only I and her could know. But in the first message, um, she said to him, blah, 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 blah. All right. David, you are dis- destined for a heart-centered role where you will guide and inspire others to see the light within them. I'll be around you, follow your heart, and know it's me that in- um, ignites the passion that drives you forward. Together, we will bring communities together from a heartfelt perspective and inspire them to see beyond the illusion mm-hmm. with, a, with a can-do with a attitude. And at that moment in time, I went... I'm changing my business. I was making good money. I mean, seriously good money. And, and I had to stop work for a few months because I, I just needed to move reset. Into this, reset, move into this new paradigm um, and um, going beyond the illusion was born because we all have illusions, you know, whether... Oh, yeah. Um, we create them ourselves or uh, um, unconsciously create them ourselves because we've just got into these routines or maybe it's societal norms that create a veil around us in some sort of way. And then we get to these sort of T-junctions in life where, oh, no, I can't do that. Oh, no, I can't do that. But let's go back to when I was 12 years old. It's like, fuck you. I am not going to surrender. I am not going to lay down. I am not going to be defeated. I am David. And I am undeniable. So if I've got a T-junction in my life, I'm not going to hurt people to get to where I want. That's not what it's about. Mm. But I'm not going to be told that I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't need to do that with fighting. I, don't, I, I'm, I fight with doves, if you will. You know, I don't need to go out there and punch down doors and, and all the rest of it. That's not me. That's not my style. It's okay. If this is what I want, if I, if I want, I don't know, a certain type of lifestyle, how am I going to get that? I'll tell you how I'm going to get that. It's not by rinsing people for cash. It's about showing them and helping them getting to where they want in life. And I do that through my business. So any T-junction that comes in front of me, right, okay, how can I use my business to help more people go beyond the illusion to take me to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good spot. Mm. <laughs> so let's piggyback off of that for a sec because mm-hmm. I, it, it is a great segue. And you, you help people go beyond their illusions, right? So that said, if you help people do that, you can speak to this because I, I want to know and share with people listening what, what it really takes to find their own path and find their purpose. What does that really take? Like what type of, what type of self work does it take? I I think it's a lot less or less. Okay. A a lot less than people are led to believe in. And and I'm I'm sorry to diminish anybody's um, coaching skills there. Um, What I found that really worked for me was unplugging. So I unplug from the media, no, te- no, um, no news, um, mm-hmm. any sort of um, 
media that came up on my laptop on my phone let's let's get away from that because that mm. that confuses you and that takes you down a few traps and gets you into stuff that you don't need to get into such as the left versus the right mm-hmm. or color versus color and gender versus gender and all that rest yep. rubbish yep um so a bit of meditation helped me as well because that allowed me to recenter mm-hmm. um i have sought help from different people I, i've never subscribed i've never said hey let's go and sign up for this 12 month program even when i work working with rob and he was my life coach it's like session by session or month by month or something like that and depending where he was um it was okay um i just kept my eyes open and my heart open for opportunities that felt right and i went to go and see people even like two weeks ago i went to go and see a magnetizer um the, the, the recommendation came in to go and see this magnetizer and i laid down there and he was messing around with my chakras and i tell you what i thought 10 foot tall after i would literally i wouldn't say 10 foot tall i'm five foot seven i bet yeah. you i felt i bet you i felt six foot right um, <laughs> i really did and it's like so to 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 to, to answer your question in terms of how can you take ownership? I suppose is another way of phrasing it. Cut the shit out that's in your life right now. Don't kid yourself. Give yourself space. When I say space, I'm not just talking about space to think, but space to switch off. Hmm. Allow opportunity to come in. Could you rephrase the question again for me, please, um, Brad? Because I'm going down a, a tangent here and I'm kind of losing the question. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't write no, it down. No, no, no. I, I was, I just... I, you know, I, I'm all, I'm all about helping people on this show who maybe hopefully were not doing it before, or if they are to enhance the ability to find purpose, the Thank the you. ability to tap into purpose. purpose. I'm, I'm hoping that people will, will listen to this show, other shows and just, I mean, like I said in the beginning, man, stop, stop for a second and, and really just recenter think. It's a huge key stopping. Right? I mean, what are you what, what are you doing with your life? Right? I mean, my personal opinion, just my personal opinion, is that if if I say it in every show, if you are not making an impact f- with your life, the one mm-hmm. life you get, then you are l- just living your life for you. Yeah. And and that's not, I don't think that's why we're here. No, I don't think so either. One of the things that helped me to, because I was kind of stuck on that hamster wheel, if you will. And it's not just one hamster wheel, right? You've got several mm-hmm. hamster wheels going. Was um, I lay down in bed. I think it was Glenn actually shared this with me. I, I, I lay down in bed. No, I wasn't. I was sitting here. I was sitting right in this chair. And he asked me, and Rob did this with me as well, funny enough, to imagine myself behind me and looking down. You don't have to look down at anything else, and I'm doing it now. I close my eyes, and I just imagine being out of my body, but not an out-of-body experience, and just looking down on David. And just, just taking it in. And just taking it in, and being silent, and just look down on David, as in me looking down on me, and you looking down on you. And all of a sudden, 
And if it helps your audience, I felt like this world is a stage, mm. like a theatre stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm an actor, but I'm more than an actor. I'm the producer and the director of my own little play. Mm-hmm. And this whole world is a stage, and everybody else I meet are actors. Some of them will interact with me. But yet, we can all write and produce our own one-man, one-woman play, and we can share some of that script with the people around us. I think, I don't think I know, in personal development circles, we're strongly encouraged to find our purpose. And, and I think a huge emphasis is put on it. Mm. When I was at school, when I was 13, and side subject, we were asked to take our options. What that meant is, what do you want to do when you grow up? What sort of job mm. what do you want to do? I'm like, 13. Just, <laughs> right? Let me, let, I want to go outside and play, man. That's, that's it. Let me, I just want to go and play football and go and watch nothing in the forest. I don't give a monkey's about anything else. And that was it. And um, I chose some subjects over other subjects, not because it was right for me. It's because my mates were in the class or um, I didn't like that particular teacher, you know, and I did everything yeah. for the wrong reason. Um, so when there's a lot of these well, very well-meaning gurus, gurus out there, and they're saying to us, you've got to work out your purpose. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I think it's nice for us to work out our purpose, but let's not put a pressure on ourselves. I think the first thing to do is take the foot off the gas, right? Because if you've got, your, if you've got the, well, the, the pedal to the metal, um, then how can you find your purpose? Give yourself some time to breathe. Um, a really good exercise that I do with people. And you, can I take you through this exercise? Is that okay? Did you sign the consent form at the beginning? Did you sign it? <laughs> S- signed it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my little son, I think he wants to say hello. Do you want to say hello? Come on, this is Brad. You've not What's up, face. little man? How you doing? Go on. Yes. Let, let daddy work. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> I would like you um, to go back to a time when you're a child and to pick out a happy time and a happy moment. And, and I'm going to do that first, and, then, and I'm going to tell you about it, and then I want you to do the same. I'll try and keep it less than two minutes. So I've done this a few times before, so it's a little, it's a little bit more fluid and fluent. So I'm going to take you back to when I was 11 years old and I was in uh, Kirkstead Junior School in Pinkston in Derbyshire. My teacher was Mr. Montgomery. Um, Mr. Montgomery was quite a tall bloke, a bit strict. He knew, he knew where he stood with Mr. Montgomery. The school was a Victorian school. I bet he was built 1850, 1860 or something like that. So in the summer, it was a greenhouse. And in the winter, clearly there was no windows or doors. <laughs> you just froze. And always the boiler never worked, so you were freezing. Um, and my class... There were like 28 of us, something like that. I was on a table of four, Darren next to me, Shona and Lindsay. And, um, and I was a bit of a loud mouth and a, bit, a little bit of a show off, but I was very proud, very confident in myself. Um, I was always there to put my hand up first. Mr. Montgomery, um, he gave me encouragement to do that. He also reminded me to be conscious of other people as well. So encouragement and consciousness. He, he definitely encouraged me to be um, independent and to do things my own way. 
And he certainly encouraged me to be a team player. When I put my foot out of line, there were rules and there were consequences uh, to those rules. I had, and my behavior at times can be elaborate, but there was a time to be elaborate and there, and there was a time when there wasn't. Um, I remember um, there was a, a little bird that fell out of the, eve, of the eaves, fell on the floor, half dead sort of thing. And there was a kid in class and what we would have said in those years, we would have called the child backward. I know it's not a word that we use today. It's a word that we used then, but you can understand. And I don't know if he was in today what he'd be diagnosed with, but you get the idea. And Mr. Montgomery, he knew that this child was really good with animals. He also knew that this child wasn't very well liked in class and, and, and he had a lot of issues. So he allowed this child, he asked this child, can you look after this bird? And this child looked after the bird. And an amazing thing happened. We all stood around him, the little boy, and we were pleased for him. And we were on his team. I remember Mr. Montgomery took us away for a week into a place called Gradback in Derbyshire. And I can't swim. I'm scared of heights. And, um, and, some things where I was scared, I was trying to climb up, doing some, do you call it, rock climbing, to do some abseiling, and I cried. And some of the kids laughed at me. And he said, no, you're not going to laugh at David. You're going to help him. And then there was instances where, because I could read a map, that I was helping the other kids. And, and that was, I just want to share you that snippet, probably gone over two minutes, but that snippet of Mr. Montgomery was excellent. I reached out to him for a few years ago, found him on LinkedIn, and thanked him. Because what he did was great. And what I want you to do now, because that was a fond year of my life, take a year of your life. It could be a teacher. It could be, it could be a Christmas party. But I want you to talk about an adult in the similar sort of way. And this is going to help you get, you, get to your purpose. Ah, to be honest with you, man, I have, um, I have a very scattered, sketchy memory of things. And I don't remember a lot of things that were okay. for, for good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've, I've since come into what, what I believe my purpose is. Um, but part of my purpose is this show. And I can't even tell you why that is because I've just been, I've been led, you know, by God to, to start this show for whatever reason. And, and that's going to be defined and I'm trusting in, okay, well, in, let's move away that. from your childhood then. Is yeah. there another, another adult in the last few years that you can talk about um, eloquently in the way that I did and, <laughs> and, and describe the person in the way that I did? Um, you you know, don't have to. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I, think, um, I think someone that has... Um, someone that has, has made a positive impact on me and someone who has, who has really helped me grow a little bit is, uh, you know, a friend of mine, um, named Justin, he's, he's quite younger than me, but we still, mm -hmm. he's one of those older souls, if you will, yeah. you know, at just 30 years old and, and I'm, you know, I'm older than he is. And, and we just connected by chance almost. And, mm -hmm. um, he's so, he, he's so, um, I guess, beyond his years, right? In wisdom, in his approach to things. Like, I'm, I'm 
I think he's kind of shown me, just like you've said today, it that I, I don't, I don't really, I don't have to fight. Mm. You know what I mean? And because to be honest with you, man, I'm one of those guys that I will. You step into my realm, and and you mess with my family, you mess with my dog, you, you know all those things. Yeah. I'm not like I'm not like you know, just a thug or anything. Yeah, but, you're you not know, looking for it. Yeah, I'm not looking for it. No, but if if you if you do what you're not supposed to do, then I'm not going to just sit back and take it. You know okay. what I mean? I'm just not. <laughs> and and so he he's kind of softened me a little bit with being around him and his approach and his maturity and his wisdom that it's helped me to kind of round out a little bit. Is that, is that sufficient? Does that make sense? Can I ask you, he's going to, Justin's going to love this if he hears it or when he hears it. Can mm. I ask you, what do you love about him? Um, I think I didn't expect you to play host, man. <laughs> I was not ready for that. But again, I I love I love his acceptance of all people. I love his regardless of he's a person of faith like me, but mm -hmm. he his ability to engage with people who might even at some point be militant towards people of faith like us. The, he can engage those people and have a conversation and and really at least have a productive dialogue and he's try brave as well then right he's he's oh absolutely he's he's like he's not going to be he just does it a little different than i do he's but he's not going to be backed into a corner so let's look at some of those buzzwords right acceptance um uh, brave you said wisdom mm -hmm. i think you said open um the reason why I asked you to go back into your childhood, because um, if I asked you today, hey, Brad, what are your values? And you write your values down and you see them from an adult perspective. But because I didn't ask you that question, we've been able to um, lift some of your true natural values through the reflection of Justin. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did with Mr. Montgomery. Values and qualities now the question here really was about purpose you know how do you find you how do you find your purpose in, uh, in your life how to you be your undeniable self you want to be your undeniable self understand what your values and qualities are and what you stand for hmm. and all i did was an exercise to do that but i didn't tell you what i was doing um and that was it yeah. if you know what your values are and and you know what your qualities are you don't have to go looking for your purpose. I'll tell you why. It'll find you. Hmm. You just be true. We hear the phrase, be true to yourself. I'm telling you right now what it is to be true to yourself. I don't know what it is to be true to myself. Okay. Do an exercise like we've just done. Hmm. And, and if you can do it as a child, even better. Because they're the values that are incorporated, that, 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 that come into us at a very young age. And that, for me... There are core values and our core qualities. Mm -hmm. Understand what they are and try to bring them into every aspect of your life. And your purpose will come. And for going beyond the illusion, um, without breaking it down, why? It's love, abundance, community, evolution, impact, and energy. 
and, 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 and those values came out. They didn't come out from me. It actually came out from the development of my business. And different people were saying things at different times to me. Oh, David, that's really abundant. I remember I was, I was being interviewed by a wonderful lady called Sharon Gist, or Sharon Gist, I never get her surname right, sorry, Sharon. And we're having this conversation about, <coughs> about this. And at that time, it was love, abundance, and community. And I said, these are the values of the business. And she said, David, you're missing one. I said, what's that? She said, evolution. I've only known you six months, and you're evolving all the time, and you're encouraging other people to evolve all the time. You, you... And it just like hit me like a brick. I'm like, yeah, damn, right? Yeah, evolution. So understand what your values are. Understand what your qualities are. Don't worry about your purpose. It'll find you. It, even if you're a spiritual soul like you and I, man of faith, lady of faith, depending who's listening, it'll come to you. Be your undeniable self. Be, to be undeniable self, understand your values, understand your qualities, go out there and smash it. Go and enjoy yourself. Have fun as well. I mean, my angel says to me, David, you're not enjoying yourself enough. Go and have fun. Go and play. Go and do it. Yeah, you are... Um... You are not allowed to send me a bill for that little exercise. You hear me? <laughs> that was yeah, a confidentiality not. agreement, wasn't it? Should have read it. <laughs> you seen that episode in South Park? No, I know none. <laughs> Terrible. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody else is going. It's the iPhone one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Woo. All right, man. So I have to. I have to ask something in yeah. in the you know starting to kind of wind down toward the end here, and so. You said something to me previously, man, that honestly, I, I thought about it again and again. I'm thinking I, I'd never heard it before. So you said that we create our own environment that provides us with certain opportunities. Yeah. Okay. You, you have to, you have to help me understand what that means. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me for using politics. <laughs> Right. Oh, it's all good, man. We talk all of it here. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat. Is it a donkey or an elephant? One of the two. You see, yeah, yeah. You see, I don't, even, I don't even know what color. I think one of you is red, one of you is blue. Red and blue. Sure. Red and blue. I'm not yeah. quite sure which which animals got which. Yeah. But let's say that you're a Republican, and and what you'll do is you will surround yourself usually with people who have um, Republican points of view. And you'll kind of like do Republican kind of things. And it's the same with the Democrats. I, I'm using quite you know, broad things here. But you put yeah. yourself into a community. Now, we've, I think we've heard this expression before. It goes something like this. The income that you've got is just like the average of what your closest six friends have got. It's the same thing. You put yourself, you drop yourself into a certain environment and that certain environment will only provide you with a certain type of type of opportunity. You get out of that environment and different opportunities come to you. But the problem with getting out of that environment, sometimes we worry about our own personal identity because as human beings, we think our identity is important. I've got news for you. It's bollocks. Your identity... Your identity means nothing to the rest of the world other than you, and you can change your identity if you want to. The reason why we don't change our identity is because it's been ingrained into us that everything that we say and do is right. And if we start to challenge ourselves, yeah. damn, that's really hard to challenge ourselves to go, did I make the right decision? And it's not mm -hmm. just like, did I make the right decision? But did I, those last 15 years, 
Did I screw yeah. that up? Because yesterday I thought I was doing okay, but now I'm asking myself, have I screwed up over the last 15 years? And that's a really, really, really hard thing to do. But if you can change, so if you can change your identity or just start to ask yourself questions about that, you start to move away from the environment that you are in. That environment could be your workspace. Um, it, 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 it could be your family. <laughs> it, could, it, could be the, it could be the friends that you've been hanging around with for the last 20 years. I mean, especially with the advent of social media and what have you. Now, I think most of us know yeah. we've got access to our friends from school, right? And sometimes we, we continue to hang around with them. That's fine if you want to. But guess what? You are limiting the amount of opportunity being brought into your life because we can only occupy so much time and space. So that's that's what I mean by that. You know, it's um, our environment creates our opportunities. And, and I hear all these arguments from the left and the right, you know, talking about socioeconomic stuff and what have you not and who's privileged and all that sort of shit. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know what? Everybody's got opportunity. Everybody's got the internet. Now, if you want to go and say, oh, well, I'm... Um, I'm underprivileged, then you know what? You want to go and say that? Then you're going to create your environment of being underprivileged and you're going to go out there with some, for some form of begging bowl, often with the words written on the front that says entitlement. Mm. And that's all you're ever going to get. Yeah, but, man. But, I mean, I, I was lucky with my mum and dad with the house they brought us in, but bloody hell, where we lived, I mean, I'm guessing now, but in around about 1984 in Pinkston in Derbyshire, um, village of 1500 people i would say that employment for women was less than 10 percent because women didn't work then normally it was you know they're at home right and, and we had massive unemployment issues massive unemployment issues i bet you in pinkston around about 1983 when i was seven i bet you unemployment was about 75 percent wow i know it's huge right and now my mom and dad they're okay it doesn't mean that I wasn't affected by the other kids at school whose mum and dad were unemployed and had next to nothing because it affects you at school and, and what have you not. But if you want to go around and say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not privileged or, or you are privileged and what have you not, if you want to make that your environment, that's exactly what you're going to get. But we live in a world today where opportunity is galore. Everybody has mm -hmm. got a mobile phone in their pocket. And everybody can start to access um, different ways of, I'm not even going to say making money, but we, right. can, but we can access how other people live. Because mm -hmm. I've had this conversation before, oh, but David, if you know, it takes a certain type of person to become an entrepreneur and you're privileged to be, have that entrepreneurial spirit. They can go, fuck right up, excuse my language, because it's me and my doing and my undeniable self. You know, it's not something's been given to me. It's my undeniable self that allows me to do that. But if I can't do that, I can still pick up my phone and I can still see how different walks of life live around the world. And I can still go and learn from that. And I can still ask myself questions of, is it is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm doing right? And that's what I mean by that. You parachute yourself into a certain community you're going to get certain opportunities. Get yourself outside of that community into somewhere else and different opportunities are going to come up. Yeah, be, be willing, right? Realization of that first, right? Yeah. Then 
Be willing to change your environment. Be willing to change your community for even for a while, right? Yeah, and this doesn't you, have to be a big thing. I move country, right? right. <laughs> England to move across the country. Yes, it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. It could be um, rather than going out on a Friday and Saturday night for the next month, sit in and play a board game. Just a small thing like that. Play a board game with your kids. Yeah. Just changing these small things changes changes opportunities. Like, mm -hmm. you know, don't drive to pick your kids up from school. Go and walk there and go and say hello to a few of the parents and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's surprising. I mean, being new to Cognac, I've been here 12 years now, but I had no choice. I had to go out there. One of the first things I did is I signed up for the football team, started playing football, started finding new friends there. Then mm -hmm. Amelie had to put herself into a new working environment. We started to meet different types of people. These different people offer different type of opportunities. Uh, Sandrine and David, they've got a holiday home three and a half hours away. Because we've got out in, found, got out of where we were, mm -hmm. found these people, they're now saying, hey, do you want to come away with us for the weekend in this holiday home? It's small little things like that, which are fantastic examples that we've all been there before. We've all done that. But if you, if you want to be, you know, if you want to change it up a few gears, be yourself. Be yep. undeniable. Yep. When you leave the house in the morning, don't turn left out the driveway. Turn right. See what that takes you. Don't take the car. Take public transport. See what that brings in. Don't get to work. At, you know, if you start at work at nine o'clock, don't get to work at five to nine. Get there at 20 to nine. And stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I love all that. Because yeah. is, we're all in control of that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You cha and yeah, change the community. That doesn't mean literally like your community where you live. It could mean who you hang out with on this day, the, the, the different associations you might go learn from people, etc. I mean, absolutely. You, you, you just have to be willing to change something about what you're doing and put you on a trajectory to a different path somewhere else in another place. Yeah. 100%. Last not, question, brother. Yeah, go for it. I've got no, five I was just going to say, last, last <laughs> question, my man. So here we go. If you could leave the audience with just one thing right. that they could start doing right now that would put them on the path to becoming undeniable, what would that one thing be? Okay. It's going to be quite hard but it's actually quite easy. And that almost makes it difficult. Take yourself out of the equation. Laptop off, mobile phone out. And, and go for a walk with no objective. Time free. And just go for a walk. If you can walk in a forest or by the river, fine. Try and put yourself in nature if you can. And just look at what's around you. Really look. Look at the leaf that's just moving slightly in the wind. And just take your time. And, and you know, whether it's spring or autumn, as we say, fall for you, just look at what's happening. And the reason why is that this is doable for everybody. But it's creating new space. And as soon as you can start creating yourself space, 
you start to recenter, then you remember the essence of who you are. And once you remember the essence of who you are, you can get the values and the qualities, the purpose will come along. And you're going to be right. Today, I am David. And I'm going to be David. And David's going to enjoy this day. That's my best advice. If that's okay with you. It's okay with me. That it's it's that's the question for you that will help people put them on the path, man. I, they're going to hear all kinds of ways, and that's that's a good one. Yeah. Just to just if you make the conscious effort to really just really unplug, really just to I have bask a, it I, in. I have a client, and she's been struggling, and I told her, "Go and get yourself." I mean, we're in January right now. Go and get yourself a, a diary for the year. Call it your happiness diary. And for the next five days, write down what you're going to do every day <laughs> for happiness. I've got to do one happy thing every day mm-hmm. because you know if you're happy, make yourself feel good. It makes you it makes people around you feel good. If you can make people around you feel good, guess what's going to happen? Yes, you feel great. They feel good, and all this opportunity comes in. Yep. Sir David of Pool, Brave how Mike. can people how can people connect with you, my man? If they want. Business coaching, connection, whatever. How can they reach you? Going beyond the illusion.com. Going beyond the illusion.com. Yeah. That will that will also be in the show notes for people to give people Thank easy you. access to you. Thank you, David. For asking yeah, that. man. It's been a blast, brother. I, I really appreciate you being here. It's been awesome. awesome. Yeah. I've 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 really enjoyed the time. I am grateful. Good. I'm grateful that that you got referred to me, and I'm grateful that for this friendship that i think we are starting and i hope to build on it and i just really appreciate you being here yeah so i've got my child talking in the background because my wife just come home yeah you best not leave it there we we need to continue this and let's have some fun and how about we get you in front of the audience that rob and i have got and you spend some time with them and um you can bounce a whole load of ideas off each other and um, bring some of that greatness that you've got into life thank you thank you so (laughs) much man appreciate you brother Take care. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope that it brought some authentic value into your life. If you did not hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you here today, then something is wrong with you because you clearly were not listening. So before you go listen to another episode, I know that's what you're about to do. Pay the toll so we can roll. What does that mean? Really simple. Share the show. Leave us a nice review. When you get to a toll road, you don't pay at the end. You pay You pay at the beginning. So pay the total, share the show, then go listen to another one, right? Doing those two simple things helps us grow the show so that we can accomplish our mission of trying to inspire the masses, right? Remember, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. And make sure you always bless up, mom. And I'm out.